This is a conversation with Lorena Manda. Hi, Lorena. Hello. So you have been involved with Hakomi for quite a while. Yes, um, I I came to Hakomi as a um, therapist slash uh, doctor of oriental medicine back in the late 80s. And I was looking for a way to connect um, what I knew from straight psychotherapy. Um, my, my journey took me through psychotherapy to looking for a way to connect with the body, and that's where oriental medicine came in. And I noticed that I couldn't give up uh, psychotherapy once I got people on the acupuncture table that they often told me their stories, and I was looking for ways to really directly connect that to the body, um, connect what, what they were experiencing in their bodies to what they're experiencing in their psyches. And Hakomi was a perfect match for me. Mm-hmm. That happened almost 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that, that double interest of yours in connecting what happens in the body, connecting what happens in the mind, and, um, finding the pathway. Yes, yes. Yeah, and it's, um, you know, in those 30 years, a lot's happened, uh, for all of us, uh, with those connections. We know a lot more now, and so, um, that, you know, that, I think Ron Kurtz had a real incredible intuition and working directly with direct experience gave us a lot of data about those connections. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so maybe as you're talking about that experience of wanting to bridge the gap between these two, um, what happened as you were training or you were relatively fresh as a, a Comey trained therapist and uh, you started incorporating oriental medicine with uh, you know that what Hakomi had been teaching you yeah I think one of and there were it was dramatic back then because you know those two areas were really separate um, you know oriental medicine is has a lot of information about energy it has a lot of information about the body it has some information about the psyche although it's mostly um kind of theoretical um and so once i got mindfulness on board uh it was really dramatic um so a dramatic example would be uh someone who came to me for uh chronic fatigue syndrome and she had seen many practitioners and um, we were able to, you know, oriental medicine is is a kind of uh, method where you do something to your client. And so, you know, she'd be on the table, I'd be doing something to her, I'd putting needles, um, moving energy around. And uh, at one point I, I decided to, it was just really the first time I decided to, let's try the mindfulness piece with this client. And so... As her energy started to come up in the treatment, I could feel in her pulses that her energy was up. And um, I I had her stay with that experience of having energy. And uh, she had a memory on the table of being three years old and her running around kind of with the joy of a three-year-old. And her mother saying to her, her father had a heart condition, and her mother saying to her, shh. 
do you want to kill your father? You're being too loud. And so she learned how in that, in that moment, she had this experience of remembering how she had to stifle her natural life force um, all the time. And, you know, 40 years later, it, it became chronic fatigue syndrome. And so, you know, maybe not such a direct connection, but she was able in that session to see how she was still doing that. So as her energy came up, there was a lot of fear. And I would never have gotten to that without mindfulness. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. we, could have, we could have, you know, helped her get more energy, and then if she had some automatic kind of regulator on her energy, it would always stop. It would always stop. So that, that had been her history. So that was a really dramatic. It was... It was this uh, simple addition of helping the client be mindful and being mindful as as something was shifting. And yeah. I I think that's really um, kind of a key to Hakomi. The, the mindfulness piece obviously is a key. We we know that we've been doing that a long time. But one thing that's a key is that we work directly with experiences as it's unfolding. And from a therapeutic perspective. What that does is, as the person, you know, starts to shift, we, we get to know what the markers are in the shift. So, um, it, let, me, let me interrupt you for a yeah. moment because, uh, uh, you know, I want to come back to what you said about the importance of mindfulness. And that was a very beautiful example. Um, but since many people have different definitions of mindfulness, maybe let's spend a little time about Mindfulness as you see it in Hakomi. And I think this example is wonderful for that. Great. Um, well, mindfulness, uh, you know, you're right. There are a lot of definitions. Um, mindfulness as we use it in Hakomi is, is turning, um, our attention, both the client's and the therapist's attention to what's arising in the moment. And, um, we use that in Hakomi. It's, it's different than sitting on a meditation cushion in that we use it in Hakomi to get at what we call the way the person um, organizes their experience. And we have this idea that we organize our present experience based on kind of past history. Um, it's kind of a, a psychodynamic idea that, that the past actually organizes our present. And and, and and so we use mindfulness to really get at that. It's not just watching what arises and let it pass, but watching what arises and looking for the themes, uh, looking for the things that don't arise, like the things that the person we say organizes out of their experience, out of habit. Um, so we use mindfulness particularly for that. Yeah, yeah. And so in that specific example, you know, as the person was paying attention to, um, you know, what organized their experience, but in the present moment, that physical sensation of being very present with that organization of experience was the bridge uh, yes. that brought them back to the experience of the past it was related to. Yes, and that, that of course, is where the body comes in, that the body actually has those, uh, what Ron Kurtz called those indicators, those those uh, markers of experience as it's organized. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. 
I think one thing that's really uh, as uh, one thing that's unique about Hakomi is that we we really go toward um, what we call barriers to nourishment, barriers to kinds of experiences that can bring happiness, that can bring uh, more freedom, that can bring uh, greater choice. And we really look for those as they arise in present experience. Now, a lot of body workers, a lot of body psychotherapists know how to look for those in the markers of the body, like the way people hold themselves. But we also look for those as they're arising in the moment, in the experience. And those barriers um, are... Um, are obvious. They become they become obvious as we work in mindfulness. They become mm-hmm, very mm-hmm. clear. So maybe let's talk about some example of barriers um, that you notice and work with. Yeah, I mean a simple a simple one I can just bring in from my from my own experience. I remember I was taking Tai Chi years ago and I was sad. I, I had a, I had broken up with, I was in a relationship. We had broken up and my, my Tai Chi teacher noticed that, um, I was doing my Tai Chi kind of hunched over and she kept asking me to, to pull my shoulders back and sit up more straight or stand more, uh, more straight and, and I and I realized at the moment that I couldn't do it because I was sad. And she mm-hmm. said, "If you did it, you'd be less sad." And so that connection between how we hold ourselves and and our emotional life um, is very strong. And and so we look for that those kinds of barriers. And then we look for the meanings that in Hakomi we look for the meanings that 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 posture might have. We look for the the beliefs that are under underlie that particular posture, and you know, I think what's what's beautiful about Hakomi work is that we are not just telling that to our client. We're not telling that, like my Tai Chi teacher told that to me, but but we are actually helping the the client discover that connection. We're there helping them in the moment see. Oh, okay. As I move my shoulders back, what happens? As I pull my shoulders in, what happens? Um, that kind of specificity and that kind of precision is its really powerful. It was really powerful for me um, as a client and as a student. To mm-hmm, see. Mm-hmm. But so the difference was the uh, Tai Chi teacher. The Tai Chi teacher said, hey, uh, you notice your posture, and if you opened up, you'd have a different experience. As a Hakomi therapist, you might draw the client's attention to the posture and then invite the client to explore changing the, the posture. Yes, yes, and that, that's, uh, we call that the experimental attitude. So um, all therapeutic interventions in Hakomi are experimental. They're, they're, they're not fixed, and so, so everything's an exploration um, instead of, um, changing the client's posture, um, we actually have the client experiment with changing their own posture, and and the mindfulness allows the client to um, see what the difference is, mm-hmm. and to and to make the connections for themselves that are important to make. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's a moment of really the, the mindfulness, the paying attention to the experience of living. 
and yes. the possibility of changing it. Yes, yes. And, and, and the possibility of changing it, um, as you said that, I, I became really aware of something that really um, keeps me going as a therapist in Hakomi is, is that possibility is always there, that the possibility of something more. It's very hopeful. It, um, it, you know, I did years of straight therapy, and so as a therapist, and um, it became almost uh, pre. There was a kind of predetermined quality to it. Like when you listen to people's stories, you get a sense there aren't that many stories. But when you're actually working with direct experience, each person is so unique. It's it's very alive and very hopeful. Like you. See, you see the resources as they unfold in the in the client when you work this way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that is really observing and 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 encouraging the client to have that creative experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so, is it possible to combine that with oriental medicine for having people on the table and uh, and doing something to them yeah it's really actually quite exciting um because there's um there are a few of us that are are uh, doing hakomi with oriental medicine not many and so so we're really on on this kind of cutting edge in oriental medicine um to me what's exciting is that um i know I, if I, if I, you know, put needles in someone, if I change what their energy pattern is doing, usually what happens is, um, the energy will, the new energy will kind of play out until the next kind of block or hindrance comes up. That, that, that's, oriental medicine works with moving energy. You have basically three things that you do with acupuncture. You, move you you support uh, energy that is uh, deficient you move energy that is stuck and then you balance so those are basically what you do and so when you move something a block that's stuck and a block can be something that's created by um, something physical it could be created by something emotional as we know uh, as body psychotherapists um, and it could be created by um, by environmental factors it could be created by anything um, or a deficiency could be created by a pattern and this this kind of dovetails with Hakomi a, a deficiency in someone's energy can be created by a pattern where um they have a kind of a belief that they can't take in a certain kind of nourishment. Um, or it could be created, a deficiency could be created by a lifestyle pattern, as, you know, we know that. So and so... Could we maybe get a, a specific example to to illustrate a deficiency? Um, so, yeah, I mean, we, we do it in oriental medicine, you know, very specifically to the body. So... Um, so we have a concept called um, uh, uh, qi deficiency. So qi deficiency um, appears as kind of a lack of energy. It could appear as symptoms, um, symptoms like a weak uh, voice, uh, weak cough, getting cold, symptoms like that. Um, so that's a simple kind of deficiency, a physical kind of mm-hmm, deficiency. Mm-hmm. But um, you can also have um, uh, deficiencies that 
um, uh, that that create uh, and and this again this really dovetails with Hakomi create kind of patterns in how we take in nourishment from the world. Um, so um, people people you know a basic psychological need is the need to be seen or to the need to be appreciated and. Um, there's and when you feel seen and appreciated, for example, it, it actually affects your physiology. It affects your chi. It affects mm-hmm. your body. It affects how you hold yourself. It affects how you put yourself out there in the world. Um, and there could be um, some kind of deficiencies where people can't take in that kind of nourishment, mm-hmm. where people push that kind of nourishment away. Where people feel like no one understands them, for example, that would be a basic kind of psychological concept. No one understands me, and and so then they in, in Hakomi we say, you know, if you have that kind of, the need to be understood as a kind of nourishment, and you can't take that in, um, you, you can't take that in for a number of reasons. Either it's not there, or you can't take it in because you don't see that it's there. You can't you can't see the appreciation. Mm-hmm. Now, on an oriental medicine level, that kind of psychological nourishment also creates um, an impact on the person's energy. So, this, you know, you can see how these two um, systems really go together. Like, once we can start to break, I can, I can change the energetic system in a person using needles, using herbs, but if I can use consciousness, I have something that goes um, beyond my treatment. It's, it's really powerful. So for me, it's really exciting to have that tool, the tool of mindfulness. And then the tool that Hakomi brings us to basic psychological, you know, Hakomi really maps out these basic psychological needs that we have, um, the need for safety, the need um, to be supported, uh, uh, psychological needs like intimacy, authenticity. We see that as a need, the need to really be ourselves and be authentic. Um, the need for uh, power or to have an effect on our world. Um, the need to be appreciated, the need to be to belong. All those basic psychological needs that we work with in Hakomi actually translate uh, into Oriental medicine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, in terms of the work of combining both, how would uh, a session combining both look like? Yeah, um, you know, it's I do I do a, such a hybrid of everything that <laughs> it's it's hard to say. People now come to me because I work with this way. So uh, a lot of times um, I, I even work on the telephone. I started out, but I started out working on the table primarily. So somebody would be on the table, and uh, they usually they would come in for some kind of physical something. And and I tend to like to work with chronic things because chronic things always have a psychological component um, to them. Um, even if the psychological component did not create the condition, it's always, a, you know, if you have a chronic disease, it, it does affect you psychologically. So so we get on the table, um, you know, I, I do the usual, I take a history, the person's on the table, and and we just start with mindfulness. We start with mindfulness, and we... Um, 
and we see just what, you know, how these symptoms are showing up right now and what else goes with them. So, so if the symptoms are primarily physical, we see are there any thoughts that go with these symptoms? Are there any, and some typical thoughts are, especially with chronic things, are things like, um, this will never go away. That's, that's or, you know, it's really hard, or, you know, it's really a screwing up my life, or, you know, those kinds of thoughts. And, you know, and it, it, it comes a feedback loop. So the thoughts create um, emotions. Um, the emotions create thoughts. Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. create thoughts. You know, it's, it's a hologram. Uh, right. And, and I think that's that's a nice thing where that Hakomi's done for me is, is it's really eliminated this idea of causality in a way that, that we're not really, there's not really, there aren't many singular causes when you look at the whole of a person's health, um, physical health or emotional health. There are many conditions that create who we are in the moment. And, and so the person's on the table, we're looking at the symptoms, we're looking at, um, you know, what's arising, we're seeing if there's some connection between these feelings that are arising and and the symptoms that are arising. We're seeing if we can, uh, I, I call it making small course corrections, if we can shift something in the moment just energetically without putting a single needle in, if we can just shift it by uh, having the client, um, you know, kind of let the emotion process through, See what that does, for example. Um, we can see, you know, if, you know, people, when, once people get the connection between what they're thinking and what they're feeling, what they're thinking and their, and their physical body, that's a really powerful connection. So once, you know, we do that as long as we can. I, I, I tend to intervene these days. This is what's different now is I intervene the least amount that I can get away with. Um, and then once the person has come to a place where it doesn't seem to move much anymore or, you know, or we want to stabilize something or some place that they've gotten to, then I put the needles in and see. And usually what's interesting is, again, working with direct experience has really taught me a lot. Um, what I notice is that um, kind of, uh, it's taught me a lot about the transformation process and kind of how it happens in waves. Um, and so we'll move through to some kind of new place in the person, um, either physically, emotionally, you know, psychologically. And we'll want to stabilize that with the needles or we'll want to see something. Sometimes what will arise is the new kind of layer, the next layer down or the deeper layer or the block that's underneath or or, or, you know, so, 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 you know, it's been lovely to have this tool of mindfulness, this tool, um, this kind of map that Hakomi gives us of the barriers, uh, to nourishment, and then to use that directly with, uh, somebody on a table, you know, with these, these tools that I have, these needles that yeah. I have. Does it sometimes happen to you to see a client, say, who, with whom your contract is to be a therapist, a Hakomi therapist, and you find yourself wishing you could use the needles? I mean, just are there situations where uh, this might happen? Yeah, you know, 
it used to happen more, but I think this is what's the newest in my work, um, is that consciousness is, is as powerful as an acupuncture needle. You know, that, that, uh, you know, I actually can do, I, I, this is a funny thing, but I can work with people who are, um, I, I teach a lot, so, um, some of my students are acupuncture students and they know the points. They, and so we can just bring our consciousness to those points mm. and, and the chi will shift. Um, so, so lately, well, what acupuncture will do that, um, is you can set, set the energy up. You can use a lot of needles and you can set the energy up in a particular pattern that you can't really do one, one, thought at a time with consciousness but you know now when people come to me for for just therapy which actually probably mostly that's what I do now um, and there's something that I know from my knowledge of energetic medicine I, I just add that in I, I make that inter- I help them make that intervention Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like back to my Tai Chi teacher, um, I, I, I'm a Qigong teacher, and so I can add, like maybe I'll notice that a person is making a gesture. Um, so maybe they're they're moving their hands outward away from their body slowly, and um, I could actually have them. This is a Hakomi experiment. Slow that slow that movement down and find out what it's saying. But I could also turn that movement into a Qigong movement. Let's do that movement with breath. Let's just do that movement as a movement very slowly. Let's see what changes if we just do the movement as a movement. Um, and, you know, so it's fun because I, I have the psychological if I need it. I also have the just the energetic layer, mm-hmm. which to me is underneath the psychological uh, the, the, the energetic layer, the chi layer, is really um, the overarching layer of our experience. It, mm-hmm. it, it's exciting to have that because sometimes people, clients in a, in a psychotherapeutic sense, can sometimes get stuck in their stories. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's beautiful. In Hakomi, we go beyond the story, but, but and in energy medicine, we also go beyond the story. So, so as you're talking, I have a sense of you as you're involved with a client that you see the situation at many levels, mm-hmm. you know, almost uh, like these video, the movies where you have a commentary um, that, you know, there's what's happening at the surface and then there's, you know, the psychological layer, the energetic layer, mm-hmm. and then you're navigating between these layers as uh, you're watching. Yes, and, and it's exciting because that's what we are. We are all these layers at once. Um, and sometimes one particular layer will be speaking more loudly. So, so sometimes it'll be the emotional layer that's really speaking loudly. And sometimes it will be that place where, um, the meaning that the person's making is speaking. And sometimes it's this, sometimes, you know, the chi, one thing that's lovely about working directly with chi in this mindful way is it has this kind of intelligence. And we say this in Hakomi. We say this in many body psychotherapies, that there's a kind of intelligence in the body. And the chi layer is the intelligence of the body. It, it, it's, it's, it's really a kind of organizing principle um, that once we get underneath our story, it has a mind of its own. It's, it's, it's quite beautiful to see it. And, and it connects us um, to our wholeness. 
I, I think, yeah. which is uh, another uh, area of my interest. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this sounds like it might be a good way to, to end, but maybe if you want to see if something else needs to be said in conclusion. Mm, let's see. I guess what comes through in that silence for me is um, there. For me, there's this excitement um, about you know we've been practicing body psychotherapies, we've been practicing energy medicine for a long time, and there's still a lot that we don't know. There's I'm very much interested in the emergent, mm-hmm. um, especially now in in our world. Our world, you know, we have a lot of resources available and. How do they come together for us and what's informing us right now? That's for me the excitement. Mm, the excitement of the emerging. Yes. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Lorena. Yeah, thank you. This recording is part of the Somatic Mindfulness and Relational Psychotherapy podcast. See the website relationalimplicit.com in that silence for me is um, there, for me there's this excitement um, about you know we've been practicing body psychotherapies we've been practicing energy medicine for a long time and there's still a lot that we don't know There's I'm very much interested in the emergent mm-hmm. uh, Especially now in, in our world, our world, you know, we have a lot of resources available and how do they come together for us and what's informing us right now? That's for me the excitement. In this. Mm, the excitement of the emerging. Yes. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Lorena. Yeah, thank you. This recording is part of the Somatic Mindfulness and Relational Psychotherapy podcast. See the website, relationalimplicit.com.